Welcome to the Heart Picker Podcast. I'm your host, Lara Blacklock, and this is a place where people come to find power in their own vulnerability and share their stories with me and with you, of course. Hell, this is a place where I even share parts of my own journey with you. And of course, as you may have noticed, it's a Spanglish podcast, meaning there's an episode in English and there's an episode in Spanish, and I try to take turns between all of them. Lately, my solo episodes have been taking place in Spanish, and I am sorry for that. I do live in Venezuela, a Spanish-speaking country in South America, so I have given priority to my Spanish-speaking listeners. But I know that a lot of you English-speaking people are out there, and, well, let me know through Instagram, through email even if you'd like to hear more English solo episodes. Today I'm going to be talking to Eric Bauer, a creative director from Los Angeles, California. Well, he's actually not from there, but he's based there right now. Hmm, I met Eric in my recent trip to California this year randomly on the street. He was doing street photography, and I happen to be doing street photography with my friend as well. And I must say, I was very impressed by meeting him. It was awesome meeting somebody who has worked with huge movie companies like Marvel and Disney. And he's worked in pretty, pretty big movies, making advertising for them and trailers and stuff like that. He went to school in Pratt University in New York, if I'm not mistaken. And it was just so cool to meet someone with this kind of background and working these kind of jobs that I would have killed to do when, you know, when I was 18, 19, 20, I used to look up to people like this. I used to look up to people who had these jobs and I thought that I wanted to go down that path at some point. So it was really awesome to meet him. And he, he was a street photographer for Pete's sake like there was just so much that I wanted to know about him so well I thought I'd invite him over to the podcast and I was lucky enough to have him and I hope you enjoy we're going to be talking lots about well how he views street photography how he got into this we're going to be talking about his own life experiences working in Europe illegally for a while and his experience leaving USA and why he left USA as a 20-year-old married man. It's a very interesting life story and I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. So, Eric, I guess I will start with how we met because sometimes... A lot of the people that I've had on the podcast, I've met in funny ways. So I like sharing that. Yeah. I was with my friend Ruben uh, taking street photography. And we looked very touristy because he, he had a bike or like what, a motorbike thing. And I had like... Yeah, you were in the, you were in the, yeah, the, rent, <laughs> the rental bikes, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was aware of how like touristy we looked. We were taking photos. And then we saw you guys. And it, it just happened to be because I wanted to go in that area that you guys were in. Where was that? Do you remember? 
Yeah, it's the um, it's the um, Metropolitan uh, Mall inside of Los downtown Los Angeles. It's downtown. where they're like. Uniqlo is and all these restaurants and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just it looked nice. So I said, oh, yeah. wait, let's go up here. And then and then we saw you guys. And then that's where he approached you guys in a very embarrassing manner. Sorry, Ruben. He was like, are you guys street photographers? Like, like, hey, guys, let's collab. And I was like, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then we started talking. Yeah. So tell us, Eric, what do you do? um in terms of like work or like what when you saw me work for work um i'm a digital creative director of an advertising agency in los angeles california mostly i um kind of do the digital advertising or various modes of advertising for movies like um Mulan, uh, mostly Disney Marvel like every once in a while I have an indie movie or something like that Marvel um, Captain Captain Marvel, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, stuff like that. Mulan, um, Aladdin, um, and then most recently, I did I, I did some uh, trailer work for um, this movie called The Novice, which I think is really good, and um, just stuff like that. And I've been doing it for about with movies. I've been doing that for about five years, and before that, I was living in London and and, and basically Europe. And then New York, New York, I was in New York for 20 years working in, in straight up ads where I was making like commercials for The Gap, uh, animation, you name it. And then, and then really early, I started off working in music videos. And that was my first parlay into any of this. So I made like a bunch of music videos for like Eminem, The Roots, The Hives. Um, yeah. And Bjork. <laughs> and it was a, it's a lot of work. Music videos are really tough. I always feel really... Uh, anytime I see a good music video, I'm like, man, that took a lot. Mm -hmm. Did you ever, like, did you always see yourself doing this kind of work? Um, no, I was in film school. I always thought I was going to be making films. And I can honestly say I was the first graduating class of September 11th. And when that happens, because I was in New York um, going to art school, film school, there was no jobs for anybody right when I graduated. So I had this friend who gave me gave me an internship and I realized like if I could work stay late enough I could get a free meal and a cab ride home and I would be working to death like I think I worked till I think I did like 70 hour weeks for about eight years it was crazy wow wow okay so what's the challenge like the most challenging part of what you do right now the, well I'm at an age now where like there is the challenges are few and far between. It's, it's basically mostly like convincing people of your idea. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of what my ideas are all based upon, um, especially with movies. If someone gives me a movie, like someone gave, gave me Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? And they were mm -hmm. saying, we want you to figure out advertisements and what they would look like for Ant-Man and the Wasp. So I thought to myself, Ant-Man and the Wasp, they're tiny, they become small. So what if you were on your computer and all of a sudden the poster was being built by two little dots that, that created the Ant-Man and the Wasp? And like, it was just, every time you'd, you'd start off with a blank, you know, screen, and then all of a sudden the advertisement would be built by these two little dots and then they would grow bigger and you'd know it was the Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's, so that, most of my ideas mm -hmm. derive off of that. Like, um, I can give you an instance of like, there was a movie called Bright. Mm -hmm. um, Bright is a movie about 
orcs and fairies living in Los Angeles. And it's a movie about the first orc policeman, like an, or, like an ogre, right? He's a police, yeah. police officer. So I said, if there's going to be, a, so taking that same formula, I was like, if this is true, what is the world like? Um, I thought if this is going to be an orc police officer, there's definitely going to be a sensitivity training video on how to deal with orcs uh, or how to deal with uh, other fairy creatures. And then not only that, but like in that world, they have magical wands. And I thought a magical wand would almost be like a gun. So I even had subway ads that said, if you see a, if you see a magical wand, say something is like, like that kind of level of stuff that that's, that's, that's most of what in my work is really applied. And the biggest challenge usually is convincing people about the idea. How do you show or present this idea? Do you like illustrate it or show a little sample of something? Yeah. Usually it's a treatment. It's like a little bit of samples of like what this could look like, putting it in context of like in either a website or on the street or on billboards, stuff like that. And it really started, I worked on a, mo a show. The first one I really did was like this show called True Blood. Did you know it's like a vampire show? And I thought yeah. if vampires existed in our real world, they would definitely have advertisements. So I made these like Gillette ads, like about razors and like about like a bunch. We had a Harley Davidson one too. We had like all of these like little um, cross branding like advertisements, but for specifically vampires. Mm, mm. So you saw yourself in film and then like what through work, through experience, slowly you got to this other part of film. Are you content? Are you happy with where you are now? Oh, um, shit. I mean, I'm happier <laughs> now. I'm happy now. No, 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 no. I mean, okay. I, 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 I always tell everyone that I hate my job or that I want, I want to, like, it's kind of comical in a way, but like, I am fully, uh, I fully feel like very fortunate to, to, to be in the situation that I'm in um, and to be able to make up and extend the life of something. It's and, then, and it's mostly my work, which is really fun. But at the same time, I found, especially during the pandemic, was that I needed something else. There was, there was more, I, I, I needed a creative outlet that was mine and mine alone. Because mm -hmm. for the most part, I always felt like I was packaging someone else's stuff. I'm mm -hmm. packaging someone else's movie. I'm packaging someone else's product. I'm not really starting from scratch on my own. And that's mm. really kind of where the roots of photography for mm. me like started was the, the idea that this is mine and mine alone. And I start from scratch as this is like the zero point is my idea. Mm -hmm. Did you what happened to like in terms of film? Did you decide just I'm not going to continue doing music videos or doing film in general or? Well, the money's really good. <laughs> like that was part Average. of it. Like and then I got, kind of got caught up into a lot of that because it's you're living in New York City, you're in advertising, basically, you're, you're a madman. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've done that show Mad Men, right? Yeah, yeah. Mad Men translates to Madison Avenue Met. That's what we were, we were all like, okay, they never really explained the show. But that's what that means. And we were all Mad Men. And that's, that's basically what I was for a while. Hmm. I didn't know that. Interesting. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. So then, yeah, so we connected through street photography. So tell me, how did you start getting into street photography? I was, it was the beginning of the pandemic. We were all in lockdown and 
I was cleaning out like computers in my house and I stumbled upon some photos that I took years ago, like in like, I think 2010. And I was like, man, I, this used to be a huge part of my life. I used to have a camera. I used to like walk around. I used to like take, I, I lived in Hong Kong for a little while. I used to like take photos on the street in Hong Kong. And like, you know, it was just something that was like, I forgot about it. And I think I forgot about it from like moving to Europe never really having a stable home really just being kind of nomadic and also the phone became a big deal like the phone like the phone rose up as people were taking pictures on the phone i really forgot about this whole avenue that i was doing for a little while Mm -hmm. and that's where it really kind of started um i was also in lockdown i had kind of um gone through like a huge breakup in my life um maybe a few months before and then all of that but i was in the hospital like I almost died like maybe about four or five months before I was in the ICU for 10 days. It was pretty crazy. And um, so I was kind of really isolated at home. And I really thought to myself about like, I just was inspired by these pictures. And then I was also really, um, I noticed, I just realized the situation that our world was in, that we were in this pandemic and that, that we had been in a pandemic before. And then not only that, but like, I knew relatives that were alive then that never said anything about it, never had a photograph, never had pictures. There's never, there's not even a movie about it. There's no movie about the pandemic of 1918, even as like a backdrop of maybe a love story or something that would happen. Like, you know, so there was really no, like no real archiving of the pandemic that we had about a hundred years ago. So I found a few photographs and I thought to myself, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take, I'm going to buy, I bought a camera and I was literally just taking photos of not only that. This is during lockdown. So there's no one on the street. So I was just taking photos of anyone I saw on the street. Cause I was thinking to myself, if you're on the street right now, like you have to be here. Like there's, you have, there's something going on. It's kind of urgent. And that's where I really started. That's where I really started to talk to people. And, and that's what, that's how that began. What was that? Um, what was that doing for you internally, like mentally, emotionally, since you were coming out of like a near-death experience, breakup? How, how did that help you in terms of like, was it therapeutic for you? It was night and day. It, it just changed my life like immediately because it was, um, and it was really strange because it almost became addicting in that way because it was, it was instead of like, having friends or, or whatever, loved ones. Um, it was having micro interactions with people. And at the same time, I can honestly tell you that some of them that I did take photographs, they needed that too. That was the really weird part was that we, you could really sense the idea of like, people didn't want me to go away. People wanted to talk to me more. It was really interesting to see how much the camera and that dynamic, the camera, that picture was almost an afterthought really. The conversation was more the focal point of just getting to know somebody, talking to them, why they were out or how they're how they're dealing with all of this going on. And then and then take a picture if we felt like it, you know, like it was crazy. Yeah. And you share those conversations or part of those conversations with the photograph as well. Yeah. um, Yeah. Almost every photograph I've taken has a backstory of who they are, what just little tidbits about them as people. And, um, you know, as much as I can, a lot, sometimes that was the other thing too. Sometimes these, this wasn't even in English. They didn't speak my language and I didn't speak theirs. 
So I had to like kind of, and I had a mask on. So I'm like pantomiming how, like, what's going to happen. And, and even at the end of the day, like just how like expressing the joy that you feel or that like, you know, thank you so much and all that stuff. It was pretty interesting. And it, it's, were you inspired by humans of New York at all? Since it's, it's really, I knew like a little bit about it. Someone saw a lot of my work. It was like, oh, this is like humans in New York. And then I saw it recently and I was like, yeah, it's kind of, but I, I was never inspired by it. It was just about me okay. trying to figure out a way to relate to human beings again. And, um, but even then, so I look at humans of New York and like, there's a level of like, he doesn't put the care into the people. Like I always keep a shit about like the people like that first and foremost, but you can tell this is, his are almost a little bit, clinical or like kind of like cold in a way they're just like they're just shots you know yeah with me i try to put people in context or make them feel you know whatever so what has been like the most the weirdest experience you've had with someone in an interaction with somebody that you photograph since it's downtown la and it's like it's a pretty wild place of the world <laughs> this is crazy this happened just very recently actually um i i was just walking down the street turned the corner and these uh, these punk guys, like one guy's getting a haircut in the middle of the sidewalk. <laughs> like this guy's with like electric battery powered razor and he's like cutting this guy's hair. And I was like, I was like, hey man. And this is like, I couldn't believe it. And I was just like, can I take a photograph? And, I, and, then, and then he was like, well, and then like before you could even say it, I was like, I'll give you three cigarettes for it. And he was like, sure, take as many photos as you want. And even the, the photo I even posted or have, it's, you can see the three cigarettes down the ground. And it's, it's, it's like literally the price of that photograph is three cigarettes. Cause I always keep a pack of cigarettes with me. Cause that was a huge, huge, that was, so that's one of the more memorable yeah. things that has happened. Ha you've had experience uh, photographing homeless, the homeless people in LA. How has that been for you? It's been pretty, um, it can be dangerous and it can be, I think I think it can be incredibly beautiful at the same time. There's there's people that I'm, I've been attached to that that have that have photographed a lot. Um, there was a man that's down the street from uh, my my old photo lab. I'd always have like two or three photos left on a roll, and this guy was literally building a tent city all to himself. He had an empire. He had outdoor food. He almost had basically a living room on the street. He had carpet. He had you wouldn't believe it. And I would always make sure to take photos of him we would talk a little bit you know just about what's going on he, he 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 was really funny he was very articulate and then you know one day it's all gone it's it, like the whole street had been cleared the, the city had cleared the street off of him and i had no clue where the hell he was and then like maybe about a month ago he pops up i see this little encampment and then somebody's building and it gets bigger and bigger and i was like this has got to be john there's no way this is not john hung around it's him it was just it was the funniest thing but that's now that's gone so i mean he's constantly building these empires and i was like he yeah so yeah it's some of it's and that's the other thing too is that, like it's hard because sometimes you see the absolute worst sometimes you don't like it's hard like sometimes you'll get attached to somebody and then you just never see him again or some or, and then and at those points i'm always going to assume the worst because it's best too just because you know you never know
so yeah street photography has been like a bridge between you and then other people who you would normally maybe not interact with never never in a million yeah. years half, half of the people um yeah yeah it's it's been great that way it's weird because i've always hated la for that i've i've always hated for the the, the anonymity of it like the idea that like i'm used to living in, in cities where like i can walk and be around amongst people you don't get that in la that much it's very hard to find and that's why I think the world of it, like street photography has definitely brought me together with like just walks of life that I would never in a million years think of. Even friends, like close friends I have now, mm-hmm. like in, in never in a million years would I be friends with like a 70 year old film photographer that's out in the street trying to do stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's been great. It's always been a pleasure, real pleasure. So what has been like the biggest lesson that street photography has taught you? I think for me, and uh, hopefully for me, I would say that the biggest is to really just have a lot more empathy for people. Like that's the biggest for me was that knowing that like, even if like, that's the thing is like, I can have a, a picture of a homeless needle addict, you know, looking at me and like I mean interacting with them but just remember like realizing that this was someone's child someone gave birth to this child not thinking never wanting this to be the end result of what this was not not that I'm judging but I just it's been really like seeing dimensions of people that I would just immediately ignore in in most places most most aspects of my life mm-hmm. or just drive past stuff like that that's been the real lesson do you have any street photographers that you admire that you look at all the time? All the time. <laughs> and some of them interact with you, which is really crazy. Um, there's a man in Spain. His name is Tito Plaza. He's, I think he's one of my, fa- he's my, my favorite. He, I, mean, I, I, I kind of wish that my photographs like sometimes uh, are as good as him. He's like the main uh, one. Um, Esteban Orio. Uh, he's uh he liked one of my photos once and not, not even because he liked one of my photos but like his work he's the 90s in la black and white just beautiful stuff um fan ho if you ever get a chance fan ho was a street photographer in the 90s in hong kong and some of his photographs are just unbelievably good unreal how good they were and he never recognition until much later in life um he i think he died like not too long ago but um, yeah, I, I, it's amazing to me how many like how many influences um, that I have. Just even with like female, like uh, let's see, like Martha Cooper. Let's see, Jill Fre- Friedman. Jill Friedman. She started off doing police in the seventies, following them along, police and fire department, um, emergency workers, and just documenting like just the amazing and insanity all at once and uh, i think she uh, she recently she died in like 2018 but she's great absolutely wonderful jill freeman um yeah i have a ton absolutely a ton are, are you constantly looking at i yeah because it's that's the other thing too is that like from the success i've had from it or has happened it really feels like i'm joining like i'm joining midstream like you know how like you see salmon they're they're going upstream to like spawn or whatever I feel like I'm joining this giant movement and, and it's, and it's good to know 
what has happened before and, 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 and what's happening currently, because, you know, I just, I, I want to know where that, because it's, it's just, there's other, other points of view that I'd never thought in a million years would happen. There's some people that do things that I just, there's a woman named um, V Spears, V Spears. She did these photographs of these kids and they're like five or six. She took black and white photographs of them and then she colors them with, 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 I think ink or pencil or whatever the hell it is. And then she went and documented them again, like 10 years later. And then 10 years later after that, and mm. these kids are in these amazing costumes, beautiful, beautifully rendered costumes. And then as they get older, their costumes evolve. So somebody mm. will have some, like a kid that's five will have like horns. And then all of a sudden when he's 26, he's got like a whole minotaur head. Like it's just, it's just amazing. Mm. Mm. Neat. Neat. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to see that. Yeah. Yeah, photography, street photography and documentary was how I fell in love with photography because it's just amazing to see what you just said like people evolving, our times evolving. You know, if you look at the photographs from the pandemic in 20 years those will be very interesting. And some and a lot of street photography catches value also the more time goes by, right? That's why it's, you know, we're leaving like we're documenting our times now as they are you know it's not it's that's why it's different to fashion in that sense it's it's real it's how people dress it's how people behaved and there's it's very interesting to see um what do you usually get from people when you approach them to photograph them how do you deal with that because that's that's yeah and you've probably heard that's like people other photographers major challenge and that's why a lot of photographers are scared of street photography is the whole approaching people and if they say no and so how every every street photographer has their tricks i find yeah no um i love the no because i always think the no is possibly half a no at the beginning but like um if if i'm out and it's seven out of ten and I get three yeses out of 10. That's a very good day. A very good day. When I was out with you, that's never happened before. Everyone was a yes. Right. I've never, I've never <laughs> in a million years. Maybe it was because you were with me and it didn't seem as suspicious. And I had a camera and I was filming you. So they didn't see it as. Yeah, it, that's, yeah that, that's just rare. But um, that's a challenge. But challenges, I, I, I love them. I think that's part of it. I think a lot of this is like, to me, it feels like fishing in a way. It's like you're literally <laughs> out and you're seeing like what's, yeah. and then not only that, because like your intuition, I'm always like, I can walk down. And actually when you, when you ran into me, I was teaching a guy, I was telling him, I like, oh, that's a no, that's an immediate yes. That's like a challenge. And just teaching him to like, uh, that's the other thing too, is like. How to study people. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. A gigantic, gigantic part of it is getting the read on people get and then, and then some a lot of it's just gut feeling and reaction but i mean <laughs> i love every minute of it um my favorite thing to do by far and it's happened maybe three or four times and, I, and every time it happens i know it's going to happen when it's happening so i'll go up to someone ask them to take a photograph they'll say no and then the uh, person will come by or a person that they're with or a person that's like next to them I'll say like, hey, do you want to take a photograph? And they'll be like, yes. So then I take their photograph. And then as I'm leaving, the person that says no says, okay, you can take my photograph now. <laughs> like, <laughs> happens all the time. 
<laughs> I mean, it's happened very rare, but like every time it's happened, I was like, "Dad, this is gonna happen." There's no way it's not happening. Yeah, you you called it social engineering when we were hanging yeah. out. Tell me about that. So there's a lot of social engineering to the street. There's a lot of little things that you have to like that you have to sh- like. I you have to shape you have to shape the conversation or how the conversation is is led to through any tricks you can. Like uh, I've done this stupid thing where I'm just sometimes I'll just and sometimes you have to make an ass of yourself. Sometimes you have to make a fool of yourself and like. Someone feels a little empathy for you, so then they they ask, they say you can take their photograph. But one thing I do sometimes is like, I'll pass by someone and they're just doing something. Like I can give you the perfect example. So one time I'm passing in front of, in front of this like chic bakery in downtown LA, and some guys in front eating a cake from the box, just eating a cake in front of this place. And I was like, and I just walked past, and I was like, yeah, he's just, and I just described what he's doing. I was like. Yeah, he's just eating a cake outside. I hope he likes it. It seems like it's a good look. And he and the guy just like all of a sudden like looks up and, and that's that's the beginning of our conversation because he's laughing. Like why is someone describing what he's doing? And that's your end, like that. Or I'll be like, or um something like a, a loud bang will happen or some kind of thing happens on the street, and like I'll turn to someone and be like, Can you believe that? what like or whatever the hell it is and it, that's you're in on the conversation so it's a lot of social engineering that way if there's ever a line in front of a concert venue ever like a line of people i always say i'm with the band almost oh, i'm always saying with the, <laughs> yeah. oh, i'm with the band do you mind taking a photograph like you know and you know it's just it's just a, a way of getting over that's the best way i can describe it what would you say about the ask asking the person because some some photographers won't ask what do you think about the ethics of that or behind that um i'd say 99 to 95 maybe percent of my photos are all asks are always asks and um it it just got that way i guess maybe out of comfortability or where where the situation i started in which was the pandemic but like um i'm I'm very, I, I, I'm not, I'm not ethical about the ask. I don't, I don't think that everyone should ask all the time, but um, I do definitely see the power in it. But some people always think that my work is like, just like a lot, a lot of people like ask, when you ask, you get a pose, you get their best presentation of themselves. And that's, that's the other thing too, is that like, I like, I love that ask of it I, I think that, that that aspect of it makes it more editorial as well like it makes it more of like because they're giving you their best yeah. of that moment you know see that's what's interesting because i have this this book you saw it i, I posted on social media i just got it i've always studied cartier cartier bresson henry cartier bresson i don't know how to say the the french henry cartier bresson yeah yeah i mean i've always looked at his work and i and i studying photography you get a lot about him but this book actually you know i feel like i'm getting more of him of what he thinks and it's so interesting because i think that with any kind of creative work that you do you gotta do your own thing like for him it was oh i don't i don't like the pose but i think i think it's interesting that you're saying but but they're expressing something with that pose and that's what i find interesting it would see. I, I wish I could bring him so we could discuss it with him because that would be so interesting to see what he would say. And he said he'd say stuff like his his tricks were po- after the person has finished posing, then the the last moments when the person's done, 
boo, 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 he'd snap and those would be his, his photographs. That's very pretty awesome. That, that, yeah. that, that's something that I think I would do. I mean, I, I, I do the exact opposite sometimes. And so that was the other thing too, is that like recently now, I'm, especially with film, because I've, I've gotten into like, I'm almost all film right now. Um, I've gotten into the non-asking. I've gotten into the, like one of the things I do sometimes is like, I'll hold the camera up and be like, hey, can I take a photograph of you? And just, I'm taking a picture while this is happening. And they'll be like, no. <laughs> that, and that's the beauty of film, right? Because it's just, a, it's more discreet. They, people aren't as threatened with film. And, and even you, maybe like you'll feel less threatened because some people will get angry if you don't ask or if they catch you taking a photo of them without I've asking. been caught a couple of times. And, and I've been in situations where like someone's given me something. And I... And I I think it's the nature of the business. I think it's I think it's something that like I'm glad that I have to tackle like at that at that moment. I'm not going to come off. I don't know. I'm not going to come off. It's it's really hard to explain because like like when that happens in the moment, it's like it's that moment where like someone's giving you shit or someone's in your face or whatever the hell it is, and what you do at that moment. And 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 but at the same time, I'm I'm glad I get to to be in that arena some people would shy away from it they, they don't want that confrontation but to me it's just another layer of that interaction that i don't so desperately needed <laughs> like i need the good mm. and the bad at the time that's cool so it's even like an opportunity to ask why or why does this make you upset or have a debate about it maybe and you see it when this is happening when you're getting in an argument with somebody on the street you see them going through it too because I, I, I always notice that. I always notice when I, if I'm interacting with someone in the street and if I give them shit back, if they're in my face or I'm like, not like or like, what was the other day? I was like, <laughs> some guy was like, you better not be taking a picture of me. And I was like, I'm not taking a picture. Like, I just gave him a bunch of stuff. I was like, I'm not taking a picture of me. You're, too, you're not beautiful enough to be in my camera or something like that. <laughs> and just getting in his face and him being like, like, just trying to figure out, like, he's startled too. That's the other thing too. It's like, Putting people off kilter. I don't know if when we were together walking the street, some guy was like, hey, is that a good camera? There's a guy rolling a joint. He's like, hey, is that a good camera? And I said, no, but you're so beautiful. I don't think it matters anyway. <laughs> and that gave me the opportunity to get in because his friend started laughing. I don't know if you remember any of this. But like, yeah, I remember His friend that. started laughing and then, then we started talking. And that's, that was such a good in on him. Like and and I've used it a couple times since then because I was just like way off the cliff. I didn't I did I wasn't planning that at all. So you've told me about how this also has improved your creative work, which is very different to this. So how how has that happened? To be more confident in decisions. That's the thing. Like if I am taking a photograph, I'm making a decision at that moment and I'm going with it and that translates into my work that way where like I'm starting, I like this photo. This is where I'm going to, 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 to bring this as opposed to like before I used to like really like, you know, not really be definitive or I'd go a long way with one photo and then be like, nah, it should be the other one. And then like go the other way. Like, you know, you're building a ton of stuff, but you're starting with that foundation of the photo. That's really what it's helped is being more decisive, more like confident, and also being able to argue honestly, that's another thing too. Defense is a huge part of it. Defense, like in advertising work, people don't give you the idea that like, yeah, you can make beautiful things, but defending it is so hard. Anything that you see on TV that's really cool, 
can honestly tell you, probably you're looking at 75% and everything was a fucking war to get through it, to get through. Because you have to convince a lot of people. So it almost like, it helped you grow your intuition, your creative intuition. Another thing that, that Cartier-Bresson <laughs> always talks about um, he talks I like a the lot idea about that, that someone's interviewing me and talking about <laughs> wait what? what what were you saying I said I, I like the idea that someone's interviewing me and talking about Cartier-Bresson at the same time it's like very I feel very lucky <laughs> oh why why do you feel he's lucky? amazing I'm more of a Robert Frank I'm a, more, more okay. of a Robert Frank person you should look at him up oh, yeah, oh yeah 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 I know him I know him I know him okay um and and also like a very different approach and it's it's he, he was way more storytelling yeah you know yeah. and that that's what i mean like every street photographer has their own twist or their own approach that's what that's another thing that i love about it i mean it's it's an art in the way that how do you approach strangers the street um being invisible the- invisible or not being invisible like or posing or not posing, asking I will for say permission this. or not. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'll say this is that like you can come up with your best laid plans of like who you want to be as a street photographer, mm-hmm. but that the street defines who you are. It really does. Like I can come and be like, I'm this amazing decisive moment photographer, but the street decides that. Like it really I does agree. in a lot of ways. You know, I agree because you're not you can't control the environment. So yeah. whatever happens, you'll react to what's happening. And that's yeah, yeah that's a that's a great way of looking at it. And it's I, I agree with you. It's very true. So, OK, you talked a bit also like I remember you were talking about being half Asian and being bullied as a kid for being half Asian. And you, oh, and yeah. you connected it to this, too. I, but I don't remember the connection. Do you want to talk so, about that? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I grew up in Washington, D.C. That's where I was born. I was half Korean. Uh, my father's American, German-American. Um, I'll say this, that like growing up, there's not many people that look like me. There's not there was not that many Koreans in general, but like many half Koreans. And that's, you know, from that, you don't really have when you're growing up like that, you don't you're not positioned with any group. Like white people would never really accept me as not one of them. Koreans would do the same. They would never, even to this day, they don't, but whatever. Um, From that, those beginnings, I really always as a kid had to really connect with someone jokingly or like find an in with people really quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's really translated to a lot of my work. Is fun, like, like we had described before, like mm-hmm. tricks and stuff is finding a way into and having something in common with somebody pretty quickly. And that's really where it's, it's, I've, I've always said that like, this has really helped me out. And I've never had, I never found anything that could, that really utilized that really early aspect of my life of trying to relate to someone or so having someone to relate to me or someone make someone to, someone to get me to feel like, like, I, like they, like I was one of them, they could accept me. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of that. It's like kind of searching for that kind of acceptance as a really young kid, never really finding it, but just trying to, to do my best wherever I was, whether it be like in an elevator or whatever the hell it is. And I think that that really translates to the street and the way that I do work or the way that I like 
to photograph people. You were with me and you saw me like every time I'm like trying to figure out just something, some kind of thing that we can grasp onto together and be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just taking the photo. It's actually, again, the interaction, connecting, the story. It's like a mental handshake. It sounds really crazy, but it kind of feels that Mm. way. That's cool. It's a good way of putting it. Mm. Okay, so for people... People wanting to be going more on the creative side and uh, the creative side, like your creative work, not not street photography, but you as a creative director and where you are. That's that's like where a lot of people are trying to be at. You know, like that's their, the goal for a lot of people. You're aware of that, right? Like you. you oh, yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Very like- so if, if someone listening to this, I, I'm sure like they'll 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 be like, oh my God, how, how, like what advice would you give to young people who are looking to, to get there or to make it, I guess? Well, I, I think that me getting there, as you say it, like took a long time and it took a lot of failure. It took a lot of failure. I, and remember I don't think that our when, society... Re- what? Sorry to in- interrupt. It's just, I remember when I think I asked you this or my friend asked you this that night we met and you said something like i ate shit for 10 years i love that <laughs> answer <laughs> i needed to, i needed to throw it in there <laughs> yeah no 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 I, I i don't think our society or our world really appreciates the value of failure as much as they should i think failure for me has now like you know when, I was, when you're young you're so afraid you're gonna fail or whatever the hell it is now i like welcome it because it's just room to grow. It's such a great thing. And I think that that's one thing that I would try to pass by. And also our world really loves to celebrate unearned success. Somebody's like a 12 year old fucking mathematical genius or like a painter or something like that. And that's just not what this kind of work is. This work is trying to figure out a way that our society can you can like you can connect them to whatever you're trying like the product or the movie or the whatever and trying to find new and different ways that make them go oh my god like you know that's that's and that that doesn't come from being a genius out the box it just doesn't it comes from working hard at it or just trying to see like throwing ideas up against the wall and seeing how far you can go and a lot of those are, some of them are bad, some of them are good. But, you know, just keep on trying. And it's just, it's not an overnight success. It's not like, that's the other thing too. I'll have kids that come and work for me sometimes. And like, they'll say like, oh, you know, I get 1200 likes on, on, on Instagram. And I was like, that's not what this is. This is not mm-hmm. your Instagram following. That's, fu- that's great that you have an Instagram following, but you have to learn how to communicate your ideas to others. That's the other thing too, is like communication, like the amount of people I know in this business, in this communications business that don't know how to communicate is like, so it's so, there's a lot of them. They just, being able to, to quickly and concisely express your idea or what you're thinking of to a room of people, that's the art. That really is the art yeah. and, 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 I used, I still get high off of it sometimes just 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 being able to like translate that to people
All right. So before we we finish this conversation, it's been all very, very interesting. I want to hear about your your travels because you talked about how you went to Europe and you worked illegally there for an amount of time. Um, when did this happen? Like, how old were you, and why did you do it, and why did you stay for so long, etc., etc., etc.? It's kind of a, it's very personal, but yeah, I can totally do it. Um, I was in advertising, New York City. I was 28 years old. I was married. I bought a house. I did everything in the universe that I thought was the um, trajectory of showing off as, I'm, as a successful person. And when I got all there, um, it just made me miserable. It made, it made me and my ex-wife miserable. Like she was, we were too young to do any of this. So um, gave it all up, got divorced, lost my house, lost everything. And said to myself, uh, I actually had a girlfriend at the time. And I said, just pick anywhere you want to work in the world, just as long as it's not New York City. And she picked Hamburg, Germany. So we were off to Hamburg, Germany. And I didn't have any reason to be there. And I literally walked into an ad agency. And I was like, hey, I don't have any reason to be here i don't have any visa or anything i worked in new york city in advertising this is my portfolio and if you do accept me then you're gonna have to pay me in cash and they were they were very they were like that that morning they were like these are your new co-workers they were giving me tours and it was it was i was very lucky very humble it was but it was crazy because at the same time i was living this life of like trying to figure out how to become a citizen. Um, pretty hard, pretty hard situation. My mother was an illegal alien when she came. So I kind of felt that affinity to it. I wanted, I wanted to, to really kind of feel that. It, it, was, it was interesting to feel that kind of life because once you get into that kind of a pecking order, like I was the only American in the middle of Hamburg, Germany as like an immigrant. Um, and people I worked with, like, like all of a sudden there was a pecking order. There's like the Polish people, there's a lot of Turkish people. And then all of a sudden I was a person that they could pick on because they've never had that before. The people like Germans were always giving them shit because like, and then now they were able to do this. And, and I get it. And it was, it was fine. Um, after that, um, my ex-girlfriend, she uh, wanted to go, she wanted to leave Germany. She couldn't take it anymore because it was pretty rough on her. Um, and so I was like, I can't leave Europe without working in London. There's just no way. And so in the middle of the night, one night, we just left everything and we, we moved to London. And I lived in a Muslim flop house in the middle, kind of by Abbey Road, paid completely in cash to a room that was tiny and did kind of the same thing. Found myself rebranding the Disney Channel Europe, like doing all sorts of crazy jobs, like beautiful sweetheart jobs that, I would have had to fight for in America, like tooth and nail. I mean, I, I remember walking into a place and them being like, hi, we do all of the, um, we do all of the, the, the story and all the videos and all the animatics for uh, call of duty. We want you to spend three weeks just showing us stuff we've never seen before. And that was my job. And I was like, that's an amazing. You, and you're paying me. That's insane. 
because in America, like people would want to kill someone for that job. But so um, from that was there for about a couple, like about a year. Um, finally got to the point where like she wanted to move back home. And that's how I came to L.A. I I'd never thought in a million years I'd be in L.A. Didn't know how to drive a car. Had to learn that. Had to learn how to live <laughs> like, you know, it was really, really crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> how, how, um, how much time went by again? It was about four years. Four years <laughs> total with London included. Yeah. Yeah. And w- did you ever think like, oh, my God, I'm here and I'm not like working on my career in New York, New York, which is what everybody would think at that age, I think. Or a lot of people. everyone told me every- I-, I was in my like, yeah, I was like uh, turning. Th- I was around my 30s, like. All of them, all of them were like, I can't believe you're here. We would want to go there. <laughs> like, yeah, I will say this. When I came back, it gave me so much of a leg up because, again, I was working on things that no one had seen before. I was like doing work that like people could only dream of. And, and not only that, but that's a high profile job or whatever the hell it was. I even did like a little bit of work on like the Olympics. Like I was working on the like 2012 Olympics, like. It was just really, really interesting. So then when I came back here, first of all, people thought, hey, Americans are real marks for British accents, but everyone thought I was British because I was moving. I, I just, it was really funny. So I'd walk in, I'd be like, hey, I'm like, and they're like, oh, we just thought you'd have an accent. <laughs> Which is new because on top of that, when I, was in, when I was in England, they loved my American accent so badly. They wanted me on every meeting. They were like, like they, 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 the idea that they were so kitsch for them to have an American working for them, like, because it just doesn't happen. That's awesome. And I, I love how that started with no expectation, right? I mean, I don't think you had any expectation out of that. You just wanted to, like, live something different. I just wanted to not be in this situation where I, like, all of this idea of what I thought was success really didn't pan out really was just kind it was just it was just a time it was just like i I can't be here i just can't be here anymore and it really coincided because it was right around the time the economy collapsed it was like perfect (laughs) so what wasn't working for you guys me and my ex-wife yeah and and in your life as well like what what when you say it it wasn't panning out what 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 exactly was it just all the things that you think that success or success in love or success in life or success in like your work and all that stuff. If you, again, this is, this all kind of breeze in unearned success, you know, like if you don't, if you haven't earned them and you've, you know, just like accessories to pull on, like they're going to, they're not going to feel right. They're not, they're going to feel empty. It doesn't feel that way. I was working, you know, was it god i was working like i'd say like 70 hour weeks or whatever my ex-wife was she was a she was producing um television shows and stuff she was gone 120 days of the year like we were living and then we had like a four thousand dollar mortgage <laughs> and we're like on, on, we're not even 30 yet like you know it's just like we're a little too young to be this miserable and then not like that but like when you're working that hard your your relationship suffers like i didn't you know like you you don't really understand the value of it because you're too young to like if i was going in that situation and i had that situation now and i knew what 
we had and how much that person meant to me. Like I would, the relationship is above all, like our relationship were like, but back then my relationship was maybe third or fourth down the line. It was not, you know, this other person. And I, I, and I don't want to speak for her, but like, you know, I will def definitely take the idea that I, I made a lot of mistakes a lot. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is because I was on this road of what I felt was success, you know? So what is success to you now? Me? It sounds so funny now. Cause I was like thinking to myself, not dying alone. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a big marker of success <laughs> that I'm kind of work. I'm trying to work on, but um, success also to me, especially like creatively is just being fulfilled. I, I'm, I'm like, once I got into all of this stuff with, with photography and stuff, work just feels so much more on the back burner, but at the same time, I know it's there and I work, I, I work constantly, but it's not, I mean, I, I, I don't get as excited as I do going out and taking a roll of film every night or whatever the hell it is because the, that's the other thing too it's like it's all avenues being fulfilled you can't go and it's just my opinion you can't go and have a, an art job as we call it and not have something else that like can fulfill you and it doesn't even have to be art related i know plenty of, i know a guy that's an amazing archer he's an art he's into archery but it helps him fuel his creative life and I think that's mm -hmm. a huge part of it. You need outlets. And the only reason I even knew that was because I went to Korea. I hadn't seen my uncle in like 27 years. And the first thing out of his mouth, I had to speak with the translator, but like the first thing out of his mouth was like, what are your hobbies? I didn't have any. I didn't have a hobby. What are you talking about? What are my hobbies? And he pulled out an uh, uh, old Chinese instrument. And he's like, this is my hobby. And he started playing it for me. And it was like, even if it was terrible, I, I don't know if the song was that great, but whatever, it was his outlet. It was his creative outlet, his way of just everything else in the world doesn't mean anything. Just me and this instrument playing right now. And that really helps like a lot. And I think that's, that's an idea of success for me. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Having some flow in your life, some experience of flow. And I bet that's what you, you, you get that with street photography. Oh, yeah. I was going to mention one other thing. There's an article I read. There's this guy, he's an advertising executive and he's dying of cancer. And he wrote this big article that was shared by a couple places. He's dead now, but um, it was called, It's Not Worth It. And that really just changed my life was what reading that article about him dying of cancer and meeting old friends or friends he, colleagues that he worked with. And they're like explaining what they're working on and how just kind of disgusted he was that some, so, you know, he's talking to somebody and they're about to, he's about to die and then like they're talking about what he's what they're working on and uh, i just found that like really eye-opening and just kind of changed a lot of the things in my life but i definitely would like to show it to you it's something, yeah, yeah. It's something to look at. yeah i i didn't and i'll link it so that other people can see it as well if they're interested in looking at it anybody listening sure. to this so what did what did this teach you this overall experience of living abroad for four years and everything that you got to do what did it teach me mm -hmm. god i haven't really thought about that in a while 
but I would say like first and foremost, it taught me how lucky I was, like really lucky, really lucky to be born where I was or whatever the hell it is. And, you know, just the ability to do that and doing things that like were kind of unseen, uh, like just in terms of like, no one's doing this like out of the, for fun. It's not for fun. It was for, it's for a means for me, but like, um, and it's also shared with me dimensions of people and what they value or like different kinds of people. I mean, it's definitely like if knowing that for the majority of Germans in this world, I think the 2007 world cup was the first time that they saw someone wearing a German flag as a cape because they were never really prideful or happy. They were never allowed to be culturally happy that they were Germans. And that, that being, that, that means a lot to me learning that just little aspects of things, mm -hmm. learning how, you know, just how, how, how the Turkish here came to, came to Germany or why everything looked like a, like a school built in the fifties. Cause half the town was like bombed out. Everyone had Nazi grandparents, just like dimensionalities of people of things that like you, you, you don't, you can't experience from a book or a movie. You just can't, you know, how, how people are and how, what they value. Um, that wasn't, that was one thing. And then um, just how lucky I really was to be able to go and move between the three, between the, the worlds that they are. Yeah, I gave you perspective on a bunch of things you nev never would have known about, like you said, if you hadn't gone there and like lived it for yourself. Even even like the whole sorry, the whole um, traveling and like actually spending an, an amount of time there, even if you're not necessarily like just any job that you can get rather than going on vacation. You know, I've yeah. always. I've always yeah. thought about that, like, uh, you know, pe some people travel all over the world all year, but are they really experiencing the culture? I, and, and I guess it's valid to say, oh, I, I don't really care. I just want to enjoy the country. OK, that's fine. But like when you're really wanting to to learn about a different culture and a different country and its history, spending that time there. Yeah, um, I think it's so valuable. Like you said, like what what you did, like for your own life. Like I think it would it would it would be so good, like for a lot of people to do that, to take a year or two to oh. just do whatever, whatever I, yeah. job, you know. Well, that was the other thing too. Um, more personally, I've never really been a person that thought that like I was very good at my job. I, I like people have always congratulated me or thanked me for stuff like that. I never, and, I, and it always like gives me like a sickening feeling about like, and this, that, that time was the time that I maybe got over that. I got over that oh, and realized okay. that I'm good. Like I'm good at what I do or like taking pride in what I did. Like, this is my industry. This is what I do. Like, and that's, that was that in that, that time, but also exactly what you said in terms of like, you're never really absorbing what the culture of the people are. Like if you moved out here to LA, it's very different than you spending some time like with some friends on a couch or whatever the hell it is. But like, yeah, definitely learning to value my work. That's, that was, that was one thing. Cause I could, because I could, because I could move freely like that. Like that was pretty crazy. Was it a big shock for you to move to LA after all this? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, it was, 
Well, first of all, we, like when you live in Europe, have you ever spent much time there? Not for longer than 10 days, maybe. Okay, so like, I could just tell you the, the colors of Europe, right, are all kind of bleak. Like, 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 if I look at photos of myself, I look like a nomadic gypsy. I'm wearing all gray. I've got like a worker's coat on. When we came out to LA, I can remember us literally being in the, in the detergent aisle of an American grocery store and be like, I can feel the colors. Like I can feel, <laughs> like, like it was just like so powerful. And just, I mean, I think when I was in London the first year, it rained about seven months in a row. Like it was just fucking yeah. insane. Like here it's just, you know, it was, it was a, and then all of that, but it's like, that's the thing too, is that like when you do and you uproot yourself, like the first year, in Germany felt like five because you're relearning how money works. You're relearning how like street names, how you pay your rent, how like everything is like a huge thing. Moving out here was a little bit like that. The first three years I felt so different. I'm like learning how to drive. I'm learning how, like, you know, how to, you know, have friends on the whatever, um, it, even small and little things, but they just, they're, they're huge tasks and they're like expanding your brain that way. Like, well, even the really, language. What? The language. Oh, in Germany? Yeah. Just yeah. having to learn. Well, okay. So everyone in Germany kind of does speak English. Okay. They fucking hate it. They hate speaking English. But <laughs> And then the, the fun part about it is I can, this is such a German thing. I can remember going to like a bar and asking a woman who's a bartender. I'm asking her for a drink. And she, she just looks at me. And she's like, oh, I forgot how much I detest the American accent. And that's such a that's such a real German. Like I don't know how you could be more German than that. Like I just detest the emergent American. I love that. I love the <laughs> honesty. I love a culture yeah. that's honest like that. Yeah, yeah. It's really fun. <laughs> um I don't know. Does that answer your question? I, I hope it does. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast. You're probably I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be very excited. I was very excited. I'm still, still cool. am. And it's been a great, oh, yeah. great talk. Great, great. Talk. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, yeah, you're fun. You're great. I, <laughs> I, from the moment we met, I was like, even from like the first picture I took of you, I was like, man, this girl's something else. <laughs> like, it's really fun. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for listening. Oh, should I like point them you can to find the Eric, where I'm Exactly where we can, where people can look at your street photography and follow you. Okay. So, so for street photography, it's uh, K-I-L-L-E-R-I-C-B-A-U-E-R, Kill Eric Bauer. That's my, um, that's my street account. And then for uh, just photos and like kind of almost fashion kind of stuff, it's like uh, the number five, M-I-N-S, the number two, M-I-D-N-I-T-E. So five minutes to midnight. Okay. Cool. I'll link I'll link them below anyway so people have the names okay. written down as well. All right. Thank you. Um, All right. No pleasure. Have a good day. <laughs>